bringing you the latest in tax credit news, this is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and welcome to Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, September 3rd, 2019. I hope you had a nice Labor Day. Eleven years ago this week, back in 2008, then-director of the Federal Housing Finance Agency, James Lockhart, announced that he had put Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac into conservatorship as a response to the housing crisis. Now, I note this history in part because several sources, including Bloomberg and The Wall Street Journal, say that the Trump administration is close to releasing a plan to end the conservatorship of Fannie and Freddie. Now, I'll keep you updated on such plans in future podcasts as details become available. Let's turn to today's podcast. We'll all share insights from the latest Senate Finance Committee Tax Extenders Task Force report. Now, as a little preview of that, of the report's findings, there's significant support for extending and expanding the new Marcus tax credit. Now, after I talk about the report, I have some good news on the legislative co-sponsorship front concerning both the new Marcus tax credit and the low-income housing tax credit legislation. Then, I'll talk about HUD's release of the fiscal year 2020 fair market rents. And after that, I'll speak briefly about Treasury's updated priority guidance plan, as well as an upcoming advisory board meeting for the CDFI fund and a new program in New Mexico to spur investment in opportunity zones. If you're ready, let's get started. Now, turning to Congress, Labor Day is over, but the Labor Day recess for Congress is not. Members of Congress are scheduled to return to Washington, D.C. next Monday, September 9th. That said, while in recess, last week the Senate Finance Committee did release the fourth of six task force reports on tax extenders. These are the bipartisan task forces that the Senate Finance Committee formed back in May. Now, the task forces were asked to examine more than 40 temporary tax provisions that expired or will expire between December 31, 2017 and December 31, 2019. Now, the goal of the task forces is to identify long-term solutions for these temporary tax policies. The first three task force reports were released earlier this month. Those were by the Energy Task Force, the Cost Recovery Task Force, and the Individual Excise and Other Expiring Policies Task Force. Well, the latest report, the fourth report, is from the Employment and Community Development Task Force. This task force is co-led by Republican Senator Rob Portman of Ohio and Democratic Senator Maria Cantwell of Washington. The six other members of this task force are Republicans Tim Scott of South Carolina, James Lankford of Oklahoma, and Todd Young of Indiana. And for Democrats, we have Ben Cardin of Maryland, Sherrod Brown of Ohio, and Catherine Cortez Masto of Nevada. All task force members, with the exception of Lankford and Young, are co-sponsors of the New Markets Tax Credit Extension Act. Now, the group worked with stakeholders and other interested parties in examining various temporary tax provisions, including the New Markets Tax Credit. Now, under current law, the New Markets Tax Credit does expire after the calendar year 2019 round. In total, the task force did receive 16 proposals and comments on the New Markets Tax Credit. And of the 16 respondents, only one called for repealing the New Markets Tax Credit. The 15 other commenters advocated extending and enhancing the New Marcus Tax Credit. Respondents did include the Novogratz-led New Market Tax Credit Working Group, as well as other New Marcus Tax Credit supporters and participants. 
several proposals for the new markets tax credit are included in current legislation. Proposals such as making the new markets tax credit permanent, increasing the new markets tax credit allocation and indexing the credit to inflation, providing relief from the alternative minimum tax, and more. Now, those are all the provisions that are also included in the New Markets Tax Credit Extension Act. Now, I will say more about that particular legislation in a bit. Now, groups generally agree that Congress should extend the New Markets Tax Credit before the incentive expires. Now, a retroactive extension, letting it expire and then extending it, could delay billions of dollars in financing for much-needed community development. Now, I say that in part because the Treasury Department, under the current administration, is unlikely, I believe, to open a 2020 application round until the new markets tax credit is reauthorized. Now, there were other recommendations from stakeholders, and they included establishing caps for awardees that would allow for a wider distribution of awards, as well as modifying new market tax credit recapture rules to lessen the discount of the new market tax credit that's applied by investors, as well as to broaden the type of investments that investors are willing to make now, there were also recommendations in these letters for the low-income housing tax credit. Groups such as LISC, the Affordable Rental Housing Action Group, they recommended increasing the amount of low-income housing tax credit authority and establishing a minimum 4% low-income housing tax credit rate. Now, LIST called for the enactment of the Affordable Housing Credit Improvement Act, whose lead sponsor in the Senate is none other than the co-head of the Employment and Community Development Task Force, Senator Maria Cantwell. Now, similar to the other task force reports released earlier, the Employment and Community Development Task Force had few recommendations of its own, other than advocating for long-term policy solutions. Senate Finance Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley had said the plan is to use the task force report findings to draft extenders legislation. Now, you can find the task force reports on the Novogratic website. I'll include a link to them in today's show notes and tweet it out as well. So I mentioned the New Marcus Tax Credit Extension Act earlier and said I'd get back to it. Well, now's that time. I wanted to take a moment to give you an update on the bill's co-sponsors. Now, as you know, the New Markets Tax Credit Extension Act would permanently extend the New Markets Tax Credit and add an inflation adjustment factor, among other things. Well, the Senate version of the bill now has 31 co-sponsors, including lead sponsor Senator Roy Blunt of Missouri, which means we have nearly a third of the entire Senate. Now, that includes 11 new co-sponsors that have been added since the start of June. The Senate version of the bill is pretty evenly balanced from a bipartisanship perspective, 16 Democrat co-sponsors and 15 Republicans. And 11 of those co-sponsors are members of the Senate Finance Committee. Turning to the House, well, the House version of the New Markets Tax Credit Extension Act now has 97 co-sponsors, including lead sponsor Representative Terry Sewell of Alabama. That's more than 20% of the House, and obviously pretty close to getting to 100 the House bill, it won 22 new co-sponsors since the start of June, and now totals 51 Republicans and 46 Democrats. Very bipartisan. 23 of those co-sponsors are also members of the Ways and Means Committee. Now, the other bill with a co-sponsor update that I wanted to share is the Affordable Housing Credit Improvement Act of 2019. That legislation would increase the annual allocation of low housing tax credits by 50%, as well as make a series of other important changes to the low income housing tax credit, including a 4% floor for tax and bond finance tax credit transactions. The Senate bill 
had four co-sponsors or four sponsors at its introduction. And that bill has added 14 more in July and August. So the total is now 18. That includes nine Democrats, eight Republicans, and one Independent. Once again, pretty bipartisan. Twelve of those co-sponsors, including the lead sponsor, Senator Maria Cantwell of Washington, are members of the Senate Finance Committee. Now turning to the House, the House version has 74 co-sponsors, including lead sponsor, Representative Susan Delbenet of Washington, after being introduced with only four co-sponsors. Here, we have 43 Democrats and 31 Republicans. Now, 19 of those co-sponsors are members of the Ways and Means Committee. Now, I note the number of co-sponsors for the various bills because that is important. It shows the amount of support throughout Congress that these bills have. And that level of support will come into play when tax writers are putting together larger tax legislation, which can include at least parts of what's proposed in the bills I've mentioned. Now, I'd like to switch gears from legislation to guidance, to administrative guidance. HUD, last Friday, published fiscal year 2020 fair market rents. That would be the fair market rents for several HUD programs. The programs include the Housing Choice Voucher Program, the Moderate Rehabilitation Single Room Occupancy Program, as well as some others. The fiscal year 2020 fair market rents are scheduled to go into effect in less than one month at the beginning of the next fiscal year, October 1st. Generally speaking, the fair market rent for an area is the amount that would be needed to pay the gross rent of privately owned, decent and modest rental housing with sustainable amenities. For the Housing Choice Voucher Program, HUD uses fair market rents as the basis for determining the payment standard amount that's used to calculate the maximum monthly subsidy for an assisted family. Now, fair market rents are also used to determine initial renewal rents for some expiring project-based Section 8 contracts, the calculation of flat rents in public housing units, and some other purposes. Fair market rents also set income and rent limits for areas affected by HUD's high housing cost adjustment for the low-income housing tax credit incentive, tax and bond incentives, and other affordable housing programs. The fair market rent is typically set at the 40th percentile of the distribution of gross rents in an area. There are, though, a few notable aspects of the fiscal year 2020 fair market rents that I want to share. For the first time since fiscal year 2001, there are no designated 50th percentile areas in fiscal year 2020 fair market rents. That's because a final rule that was published in 2016 outlined the use of small area fair market rents in the Housing Choice Voucher Program instead of the 50th percentile fair market rents. What's also notable about the fiscal year 2020 fair market rents is that HUD changed the estimation methodology for fair market rents per the June 5th, 2019 notice. And one of the methodology changes is in issuing local and regional trend factors in an effort to improve the accuracy of fair market rents, as opposed to using the same national trend for all areas. Yet another methodology change is that HUD will also or will use the so-called neighboring policy for zip code tabulation areas that do not have reliable data. Basically, under this approach, HUD determines if there's reliable data for bordering zip code tabulation areas and uses this data before going to the county-based small area for market rents. Now, there's a lot that I shared with you already, 
but there's more detailed analysis of the fair market rents that I want to provide and didn't have time to prepare for this week's podcast, but we will include it in next week's podcast. That said, in the meantime, we'd like you to share your own observations of the fair market rents by tweeting them and tagging me at my handle at Novogratik. Now let's turn to other news. The Treasury Department released its fourth quarter update to the 2018-2019 Priority Guidance Plan last week. The Priority Guidance Plan is a list of areas that Treasury plans to issue income tax guidance. Now this update did not include any new issues that relate to the affordable housing, community development, historic preservation, or renewable energy communities, at least not directly. However, there are several tax issues that remain, or tax guidance projects that remain, on the list. They include the low income tax credit average income test. They include the use of productivity bonds in affordable housing, as well as the use of the historic tax credit with disaster relief and the clarification of rules for the new markets tax credit. I have included a link to the plan in today's show notes. And there is some other Treasury news. The CDFI Funds Community Development Advisory Board will hold a meeting September 23rd in Washington, D.C. The agenda for the meeting includes a couple of panel discussions and a report from CDFI Fund Director Jody Harris on activities by the CDFI Fund since the last meeting. Now, there's a link to the meeting's notice in today's show notes. The notice describes how to submit written comments, and I'll tweet out the link as well. I'd like to turn now to state news. Some exciting state news coming from New Mexico. New Mexico has announced a program that will provide a $1 million grant for certain Opportunity Zones investments. The New Mexico grant will go to Opportunity Zone developments that meet criteria that include being in one of the nine key industry sectors. Now the funding comes from an existing grant program. This is yet another example as to ways in which local and state governments have been adding incentives and can add incentives to encourage Opportunity Zones development. I'd encourage you to check out the July issue of the Novogratz Journal Tax Credits to read about what other states are doing to encourage investment in Opportunity Zones by offering complementary state provisions. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's report. I do want to remind you that last week's episode of Tax Credit Tuesday had a special preview of Novogratz's fall conference schedule. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode yet, I do invite you to do so. The summary of conference panels and keynote speakers can help you plan your conference travel schedule for this fall. I'll include a link to that episode in today's show notes and tweet it out as well. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived podcasts are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. You can find related links referenced in this podcast in our show notes at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast. Novogratik & Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.